Wretched Radio begins in three, two, one. I use the complete idiot's guide to the Bible. Unqualified. Why can't my kids come into the service? Because we have PG-13 services. Unqualified. That has a nice ring to it. Unqualified. I've always felt that way. It wasn't a compliment. Junior church has taken over. It's designed for elementary kids or junior higher. Who doesn't feel unqualified? It's time for Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. It's true. Expository preaching is easier. <coughs> this is Wretched Radio. Dr. Stephen and Jay Lawson, speaking of expository preachers, he is going to be presenting two mega preaching seminars, one in Oklahoma City, one in Washington, D.C. Pastor, please visit OnePassion.org and go three days with the homiletics professor of Master's Seminary, equipping you to preach even better, even though, Dr. Lawson, Expository preaching is cheating, according to a a famous pastor who happens to be right down the street from us. Would you agree with the pastor's assessment that expository preaching is easier than topical preaching? Oh, mercy. Whoever said that has never done expository preaching and has no idea uh, what, what he is saying. Because when you move verse by verse through books in the Bible, you actually have to get down into the weeds of this text. And you have to give consideration far more so to uh, parsing verbs, uh, grammatic, uh, grammar, syntax, word studies, uh, historical background, geography, uh, flow of the book, big idea of of the literary unit, the the context, uh, what is immediately preceded. Um, et cetera, et cetera. And it's far harder. You're going to have to roll up your sleeves and give attention far more so to original languages. Um, so to say that it's easy and that it's cheating, uh, the only cheating part is, is what you're cheating your congregation out of if you do not preach through the Bible. All right, Dr. Lawson, I'm afraid I hate to do this publicly. I'm going to have to disagree with you. I've actually given this some thought. And in a sense, a constant diet of of topical sermons, in a sense, is indeed harder than expository preaching. Do you know why? Why? Because you ultimate your bag of tricks is yeah. limited. And oh, after yeah. you're into this for 17 years, it's like, all right, how do I make this sermon on financial responsibility relevant? I've already done this thing so many times. It ain't easy to create something out of thin air. Well, I would agree with you in, in that respect, Todd. And I say it in class to my students. Uh, the hardest thing really is to be a topical preacher in that you're going to have to go to every concert, watch every cable news. You're going to have to go to every movie you're, you're going to have to be up to speed on everything that's going on out there and, and draw from that and preach on that. Uh, so in that sense, yeah, and you're always in a scramble mode. Where do I preach uh, next Sunday? Where with expository preaching, sequential consecutive exposition through books in the Bible, there is a sense in which it's easier only in that I know what I'm preaching next week. And what I studied a month ago, two months ago, three months ago, it all pulls forward in my preparation for this week. Um, but it's also God has bit- created the ideas for it. Here's the topic. I wrote it for you, Steve. 
just <laughs> preach that. Yeah. So in, yeah. In, in, in one sense, expository preaching, it is magnificently difficult, but the congregation grows, the pastor grows. But when you have to concoct something fresh and relevant every week, here's here's what you're going to have to do. Go to a lot of Marvel movies. Steve, have you ever seen th- this sermon? Okay. All right. Everybody, like, here's what Easter is about. Have you seen the new Spider-Man movie? Okay. You have? Okay. So for those of you who haven't seen it, Spider-Man, okay, it's not it's not the old one. It, it's, <laughs> well, it's still Peter Parker, but his friend, whose dad was a, a creep. No, wait a second. That was the other one. Hold on. Okay. So you ever heard that sermon before? I never have because I'm never invited to crummy places where I would hear that. I'm invited to places where they actually preach the Bible. And they that's why they would invite me. That's why I'm there. But you should go experience one of those churches. It will light your fire for no, the next decade. No, no, thank you. <laughs> your springboard to slap a Bible verse onto it requires so much setup. You basically are preaching a movie in order to supposedly come up with some sort of Christian life hack based on Spider-Man. Ay, 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 those types of sermons. All right, Dr. Lawson. So what you're saying is if somebody attends your seminar, either in Oklahoma City or Washington, D.C., in August, having received a great deal, if you use the code wretched to save, how much is it? Forty. $48.01 you're going to save on the registration and you get drive-by theology. It is a killer deal. Please note, offer ends May 25th. What you're telling me, Steve, is that they're not going to learn how to exegete a movie. <laughs> I promise you we're not going to be exegeting a movie. We're going to be in the Bible and how to package a Bible sermon and how to interpret it, how to package it how to show its relevance to the listener, how to exhort them, how to apply this to their life, uh, how to encourage them, how to challenge them. Uh, all of that's going to be a part of this conference. And I, I think that without question, if you will come to this conference and, and stay focused, it, it will help take you to the next level of effectiveness in your pulpit ministry. I certainly will. Um, Steve? This is sorry. You know, my attention span thing. It's 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 a little short. Yes. Yes. I. Yes, I do. Todd. Yes, I do. And I'm just distracted. I should be paying attention. But a YouTube video just popped up on my screen. Do you mind if I just play this for a second so I can just not have the heebie jeebies that something is just dangling there? OK, sure. Yeah, just sure. just play along. I'm going to. I'm going to play a clip of somebody that you need to hear here. That every single student, every single person in your church can find out what else is in the Bible. And what do I mean by what else? All the parts you don't preach and teach about and the parts you won't preach and teach about because you can't find any application there. You're never going to get there. And if you go verse by verse through the Bible, you know, you, you'll you'll never make it to Jesus. Like, where's Jesus? We'll get there four years from now. We'll, we'll get there. Oh, thank you for letting me do that. I, I feel who and. On the one hand, better. On the other hand, sort of sick to my stomach. What was that? That is someone who does not know anything of what they're talking about. And that is someone who does not even begin to comprehend what true preaching is, what biblical preaching is. Uh, Jesus himself said that he is in all of the Bible. And so to, to make that statement 
is to be in direct contradiction even with Jesus Christ himself. So you didn't agree with him is what you're saying. All right. I am looking at OnePassion.org. This is what you'll learn. One, a biblical understanding of expository preaching. All right. Definition of expository preaching in one sentence is? It's biblical preaching that interprets and applies a passage of scripture. It's as simple as, as I can make it. The marks of expository preaching. Give me two marks. Not nine, two marks of expository preaching. It's God-exalting and it's Christ-centered. Session number three, uh, the marks of expository preaching, uh, part two, the models of expository preaching. Where do we see the best expository preaching? In the Bible itself. Uh, Peter on the day of Pentecost, uh, Ezra uh, at the Watergate, Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount, Paul speaking to Timothy. Uh, Moses in the book of Deuteronomy, uh, those are the timeless examples of expository preaching. So you're not making this stuff up out of thin air. (laughs) 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 We get it from the Bible. It didn't start with the Reformation, didn't start with the Puritan age. It didn't start with the Great Awakening. It it started really with Moses uh, on the plains of Moab. And it, there's a thread that runs through the entire Bible. The, the last three sessions dedicated to one subject, the mechanics of expository preaching. What that means is uh, a car mechanic needs to know what are the parts of an engine, how to take apart an engine and then put it back together. That makes him a qualified mechanic. The mechanics of expository preaching are knowing what are all of the non-negotiable essential parts uh, of a true Bible message and how to put together an expository sermon. So um, we're going to walk through. We had to pick the one engine part that is the most important. You would say it is. Well, it has to be the, the, the scripture itself. It, it would have to be rightly handling the word of God. Uh, the most important part of any sermon is the Bible itself. That's where God put the power. God put the power in his word. Um, the second most important part would be the application and to show the. the Ooh, I'm so glad you brought that up. All right. I want you to hold <laughs> that thought. <laughs> Because I want to get into application because one of the critiques of expository preaching is it is always short on application. Would you like to learn the mechanics of preaching? Of course you would, sir. Visit OnePassion.org. Don't forget, keyword wretched to join Dr. Stephen J. Lawson in August in Oklahoma City or Washington, D.C. at his excellent expositors preaching conference. OnePassion.org. Application next on Wretched. Busy, busy, busy. Last year, Preborn Ministries provided over 92,000 ultrasounds, 54,000 babies were saved, 69 ultrasound machines were placed, 10,000 people responded to the gospel. Preborn Ministries, very busy, saving babies, saving souls. Would you please consider partnering with Preborn Ministries? $28 per ultrasound, five ultrasounds, $140. Yes, they are expensive, but they save lives. 
and Preborn Ministries uses good equipment with trained specialists, which is why the success rates are so staggeringly high at saving lives with Preborn. Please consider supporting Preborn at preborn.org slash wretched, preborn.org slash wretched. You know, what used to be a movie is now our sad reality. We're living in a world that's gone absolutely bonkers. So much so that six mads just aren't enough to describe it. Social media may be bombarding us left and right. Our Christian worldview may be under assault, but we have the dynamic duo of Todd Friel and Dr. Nathan Buznitz, and they're coming to the rescue with Wretched Worldview 2, tackling 22 of those pesky, thorny contemporary issues through a biblical lens, helping us to defend the biblical view on things like sexuality and gender, critical race theory, modesty and apparel, persecution, secular entertainment, environmentalism, 22 issues to be exact. So what are you waiting for? Head on over to wretched.org, grab your copy of Wretched Worldview 2. And hey, while you're there, snag that study guide too, because it's the perfect companion for navigating this mad, 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 mad world with wisdom and grace. I know how you're feeling at the thought of switching from traditional health insurance to MediShare, which is affordable biblical health sharing. That's a big decision, and it can be kind of scary, which is why Mrs. Freel and I researched MediShare and determined, yeah, we can trust this ministry, Christians paying for the health needs of other Christians. It's a magnificent ministry, 98% member satisfaction rate. It's amazing. The average family saves $500 per month. If that sounds intriguing, and I hope it does, please do your research. Visit metashare.com slash wretched, metashare.com slash wretched, or call them and talk to a really nice person at 844-34-BIBLE, 844-34-BIBLE, 844-34-BIBLE. Have you ever felt like you're on an emotional roller coaster? Well, saddle up, buckle up, strap up, whatever it is you prefer. Just tune in to Transformed with Dr. Greg Gifford. It's the podcast you quite possibly have been waiting for. Trust me, this podcast, it's a game changer. And it must be for me to say game changer because I loathe that phrase. New episodes, they drop every Saturday morning at transform.org slash podcast or wherever you usually listen to podcasts. Know your reformers. John Calvin was a French pastor, an author of the Institutes of the Christian Religion. His writings and ministry made Geneva, Switzerland a hotbed of reformed theology. His institutes are still guiding documents for reformed churches across the globe. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Think of it like this. This is Wretched Radio. Dr. Stephen J. Lawson, himself, joining us to talk about two phenomenal opportunities for pastors to become even better preachers at his expositors conferences. August, Oklahoma City, Washington, D.C., OnePassion.org. Use the code Wretched and you'll save a bunch on the registration. It's under $100 to spend three days with Steve Lawson. And you don't even have to feed him. You'll have to feed yourself, but you don't have to <laughs> feed the teacher. And we'll send you a copy of Drive-By Theology with Dr. Stephen J. Lawson. All right, Steve, 
application time. So all that to say, it's sort of like this. How do I get from teaching the verse to a life application without turning into nothing but a life application sermon? Well, it's as John Stott said, you're between two worlds, the ancient world of the Bible and the present day world of your listener. And only the expositor stands between those two worlds. And he never lets go of either world. And so with one hand, he has uh, a grip on the Bible and he's interpreting the passage. And with the other hand, he has his hand on the listener. And he's showing the relevance of this for Monday morning, for Saturday night, uh, for the workday during the week, um, for parenting, for uh, discerning the will of God for your life, wh- whatever it would be. It depends on the passage and it depends on who you're speaking to. So I, there, there's not just a one size fits all way to do this application. Okay, this is going to sound pretty preschooly. Nevertheless, typically, I've noticed the trend with preachers is they'll teach the text as best they're able to. And then at the very end, we get the, okay, so all that to say, here's the application and you get a minute or two of application. Is that the formula? Is that the exclusive formulas? Are there other ways of doing it? How many minutes should I spend on application versus exposition? Give me the basics of application. Well, you want to apply the Bible as you're preaching through the Bible. So you don't want to wait till the end of the sermon. You want the application to live next door to the interpretation or the explanation of this passage. You don't want there to be a 40-minute gap after you explain a passage, and then 40 minutes later, at the end of the message, you apply it. No, it's, it's, you need to apply it as you move through the passage. So for me personally, uh, if you have, let's just say, four homiletical headings, points to this message, I would want an application with at the end of each one of these four homiletical headings. So as you're moving through the passage, you, you are explaining how this should work out in your life. And so you need to think about the people to whom you're speaking. How does this relate to a, a businessman, to a teenager? How does this relate to a widow? How does this relate to a divorcee or to a single person? And you try to get inside of their, their, their life. And you need to start with the heart before you move out to actions because uh, everything flows out of the heart. And so uh, a lot of your application needs to be directed to your mindset and to your affections and to your desires and to your loves. Now, you just tripped into one that's like another massive subject in preaching. So I'm just just because I want there's so much I want to talk to you about, Dr. Lawson. I have so many issues. <laughs> Believe me, yeah. so many struggles. The the application, preach it as you go. Don't just wait for the big baboom at the end. Okay, excellent, excellent help. But you talked now about addressing the intellect. You talked about addressing the heart. My assessment, yes. my assessment of the current state of expository preaching in the West is that we have not just corrected so much of the topical, nonsensical, life application, movie, sermon series nonsense, that we are doing a most excellent job of hitting the head 
but all too often it's missing the heart. Would you agree with my assessment? I would totally agree with your assessment. In fact, I would go so far as to say the application in the West usually is directed just to the will, that it bypasses even the mind and bypasses the heart and goes straight to the will. And let me just tell you what you're supposed to do. Um, That's not the way the Christian life functions. The will is the handmaiden of the heart. As your heart goes, so goes your will. Your will always follows where your affections are, where your desires are, where your loves are. And it's the mind that influences the heart and the heart directs the will. So with your application, you've got to be addressing the mindset, the worldview. I mean, how you're looking at whatever it is, your family, your your work life. But then you've got to address where where is your heart? Uh, Is it disconnected from the world? Is your have you set your mind on things above and not on things of the earth? Um, And then and, and as you address the heart, sometimes you encourage the heart. Sometimes you challenge the heart. Uh, sometimes you show uh, what should be motivating your heart. And, and then you can show as a result of this, these are the steps that you need to take to put this text into practice in your life. This is what it would look like. You agree with me. Just let's get that on the record. Say, I, Stephen J. Lawson. I, Stephen J. Lawson. Wholeheartedly agree. Wholeheartedly agree. With Mr. Todd Friel. With Mr. Todd Friel on just virtually everything. Jimmy, if you could cut that up to take me out of it so we can use that all over the place. That would, Oh, sorry about that. That was just a little technical note right there. I agree. We've you know, sometimes sermons and they can be there are those of us that just we're inclined to theology. We like teaching. And so we can hear a sermon that parses Greek verbs and we can hear a sermon that gives me all the historical. And it's like, ooh, ooh, ooh. And it's filled with information, but it is never actually applied to the heart to stir me in my affections for my love for the Lord so that I desire obedience. So if you were going to address a group of men who were like, whoa, gun ho on expository preaching, which is excellent. How would you instruct them to get to the heart? Well, first of all, I would I would want to point out to them that. Preaching without application is not preaching. So what you have been doing is not preaching. If you only speak with indicatives, but there are no imperatives, then that's a lecture. That's just teaching. So I would begin with, you need to understand even what true preaching is. With true preaching, there is exhortation, and there is an urging and a calling uh, of the listener uh, to 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 take decisive steps to follow this passage of scripture, so they need to be brought up to speed with with what preaching is. I would show them in the Bible how preachers moved from just indicative statements of fact to um, commands and pleading and urging uh, the listener to respond. Uh, and then you you mentioned the heart. Uh, the motives of the heart are so greatly important. 
And I, I, I think, for example, what Jesus had to say to the church at Ephesus in Revelation chapter two, he commended them for all of their works and rightly so. However, he says, but I have this against you. You have left your first love. And their first love was their, in essence, honeymoon love for him. Their, their dynamic excitement for the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and so in your preaching, one of the chief goals is for you to preach in such a way that people are growing in, in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. They are growing in their love for Christ. They are loving him more and more and, and more. Uh, and the same for God the Father and God the Holy Spirit as, as well. And so there are ways that that you do that by showing how great. Nope. Zip, deep, 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 deep. We're not going to give it away. <laughs> People are going to go to your expositor preaching seminars in August, Oklahoma okay. City, Washington, D.C. And you can learn how to get to the heart with Dr. Stephen J. Lawson. He is offering a bang up deal. $48, one cent off of the registration fee. And it's the early bird deal. So hurry up before May 25th, please make arrangements, make plans, do this for your pastor. Call him up and say, hey, I know what you're doing these weeks. You're going to Oklahoma City or Washington, D.C. Register him. We'll also send you drive-by theology, our gift to you with Dr. Stephen J. Lawson. It will help your pastor to preach better. As always, Dr. Lawson, thanks for the soundbite. Wow, am I going to be able to use your agreement with me? That is the worst thing you could have ever said. This is Wretched Radio. And it's now time for a Wretched News Break here on Wretched Radio. I'm Jimmy Hicks. We start today with news on the annual Sports Illustrated Swimsuit Edition. Yeah, normally that's not a story I would be talking about, but the cover model this year, and a move that's not going to surprise any of you, shares a characteristic with Adam, you know, from the garden. Yeah, this year's model is a biological male. Yeah, Sports Illustrated. They're so progressive, aren't they? And meanwhile, story that reminds us that reality is stranger than fiction a lot of times. A British teacher has found herself without a job because she's sticking to biological pronouns when referring to an eight-year-old student. I don't want to speak for any of you listening, but when I was eight years old, I guarantee you I didn't know what the word pronoun meant. And I'm pretty sure my pronouns were sit down and shut up. And in the corporate realm, an IBM employee is taking his 15-year sick leave to the next level. This guy has been on sick leave for 15 years. I'm not really sure what he's suffering from, but now he's suing the company because they didn't give him a raise during his prolonged absence. Uh, <laughs> Moving on, speaking of interesting corporate decisions, the state of Florida is taking a stand against so-called woke diversity, equity, and inclusion initiatives in higher education. Governor DeSantis signed the bill banning the initiatives from higher education institutions, preferring that education be served with education, not politics. And now let's talk a little bit about fashion from the middle schooler. A U.S. middle school has banned a boy from wearing a shirt that stated that there are two genders. You know, the truth? Well, the boy's family, not exactly thrilled with the school's decision, is preparing to sue. I know we're not all fashion experts, but 
truth is truth whether you like it or not. Well, in a rare piece of good news for public schools, in Texas, lawmakers have passed a bill that allows chaplains to work in public schools. And as long as these chaplains are solid with spiritual intentions, then we should celebrate the decision. Meanwhile, halfway across the globe, a Christian widow in Pakistan was accused of blasphemy, and she's now been released on bail. The blasphemy charges only get stricter and harsher as the years go on in Pakistan. It is an inhumane law that has no basis for requiring any proof from the accuser. And as always, please continue praying for all of our persecuted brothers and sisters abroad. And that's been the latest Wretched News Break. More Wretched Radio straight ahead. I'm Jimmy Hicks. Books of the Bible. Malachi was the last recorded prophet of God until John the Baptist 400 years later. Malachi addressed the corrupt priesthood, half-hearted worship, divorce, injustice, and neglected tithes. He also foretold the coming of John the Baptist, Jesus the Messiah, and the great day of the Lord when God judges the wicked and rewards the righteous. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. As the world turns. Insane. The students asked the other teacher if I'm a boy or a girl. And the teacher was like, does it matter? They were like, no, they just can't figure it out. That's the goal. Yeah. Yeah, it is. This is Wretched Radio. Let's go to Florida, shall we? And don't tell me you haven't thought about it, not just because you live in the Midwest and you want to be a snowbird who doesn't have to freeze for eight months out of the year, but because you're looking at states. Don't tell me I'm imagining this and wondering, okay, if this keeps going this way, do we need to move to a state that isn't totally insane? What do you think about Florida, Montana, anybody? Don't tell me you haven't at least thought about it. Maybe even Googled it. What are the best states for Christians to move to? Let's go to Florida, shall we? The school board in Brevard County had to have a little debate about whether or not to permit these students to dress like animals. Nope, not kidding. They actually had a furry dress attire debate. Should we allow the kids to wear floppy dog ears? affix a tail to their rump? Should should we let them bark at each other and growl and romp and chase each other and let the, let the ones who think that their felines have some catnip? That was a debate at a school board. Now, thankfully, it appears that most of the school board recognized how ridiculous this is. It was interesting that one of the school board members said, let's not overcomplicate this. Let's let's not get into debates about self-expression and allowing people to be happy, because if you don't let somebody live their authentic lives, they're going to commit suicide. No tales. No. Brevard County. (laughs) I'm not a big fan of the furry movement, but at the same time, if ears mean a head, this is the this is manuscript from the debate. One of the board members. I'm not a big fan of the furry movement. Not a big fan. Not a big fan. That would be understatement right there. But at the same time, if ears means a headband with pointed ears on them, 
it's a hair accessory. No, it's somebody who needs some help in some way, shape, or form. So, you know, tails are different and students meowing and barking at other students, that's not cool, but that's not dress code. Again, most of the board went, eh, on the dressing like an animal. But what is this? This is not an unanticipated extension of the trans movement, is it? If I can deem myself to be something I'm not, under the guise of it makes me happy, and that's who I really am, then I don't think a school board should be shutting down animals or anything. I'm a computer. I, that's that's what I'm. I'm a calculator. I'm a pair of eyeglasses. I'm a sock. What? Why not? If my imagination can make it so, as long as we're in the education world, cool. Let's go to Colorado. This isn't going to shock you. The teachers union, that would be 39,000 teachers represented. I'm sure not all of them agree with this recent decision. They believe that capitalism requires exploitation of children, public schools, land, labor, and our resources. Cool. The teachers union in Colorado is opposed to capitalism. By the way, did you read this? (laughs) Bernie Sanders' last book on capitalism and the evils within that system doubled his net worth. Because that's what Marxism does. It doubles the worth of a few, but not most people. Back to Colorado, we go. Uh, they, the teachers union says all capitalism does is exploit, is in opposition to fully addressing systemic racism, climate change, patriarchy, gender and LGBTQ disparities, education inequality, and income Inequality, actually, no, it no, not it, not at all. Capitalism has been the best for the most. Is it best for everybody? No system is gonna have to wait for heaven to experience that. When King Jesus rules, he'll do it right. But in the meantime, the best that we've come up with so far is capitalism. And don't forget, the reason that it's a system that works the best is because it is the system that has more biblical tentacles in it than any other. By the way, speaking of biblical tentacles, I wonder if I can find this. This was was a quote about Chinese. These are people who have studied America. They're from China. Ah, Got it right here. This is from the Christian Post. This is fascinating. A statement from the scholars at the Chinese Academy of Social Sciences. Here's a quote from their studies. Again, Chinese Academy of Social Sciences. I'll just translate this from Chinese for you. We were asked to watermelon. No, no, sorry. Look, we were asked to look into what accounted for the preeminence of the West all over the world. At first, we thought it was because you had more powerful guns than we had. Then we thought it was because you had the best political system. Well, in part. Next, we focused on your economic system. But in the past 20 years, we've realized the heart of your culture is your religion, comma, 
Christianity. That is why the West has been so powerful. I think the word has been is pretty appropriate there. They were being prophetic. The Christian moral foundation of social and cultural life was what made possible the emergence of capitalism and then the successful transition to democratic politics. We don't have any doubt about this. Well, a lot of Americans do, and they're seeking to undermine it, including the teachers union in Colorado teaching the kids capitalism bad. And by the way, as soon as we're done teaching the kids how terrible capitalism is, we're going to demand a raise. Okay. Okay. All right. All right. Speaking of students, misbehavior, uh-oh, 70% of teachers, principals, and district leaders said in a recent Edweek Research Center survey, students are misbehaving more now than in 2019, up from 66% in December 2021. One-third of the teachers said students are misbehaving, quote, a lot more. Hmm. Why do you suppose that's going on? I have to tell you, I do think that teachers are feeling the same sting that most parents are experiencing these days. And that is the sting of social media and the casting off of all authority. It's when you think about what we are seeing in the news, the stuff that you and I look at and go, whoa, it's insane. But but if you're even if you're not thinking this clearly about what's happening in our world right now, you're going to recognize there's a casting off. We're fundamentally changing. We are breaking down those systems. That is deconstructionism, and it's everywhere. And your kids, your Christian kids, they see that deconstruction, and guess what they apply it to? Because, well, they're told to, you. And the same thing is happening now to teachers. The, we don't need no education. We don't need no thought control. We don't need anybody having authority over us, which is why this makes sense, doesn't it? I think we talked about this a week or two ago. The uh, What was the name of the poll? We produced a video on it and it bombed <laughs> because we were talking about Gen Z's and what a Gen Z might learn from studying other Gen Z's. And that is they cast off authority. They 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 talk back. They think that they know more than the people who have had the same job for twenty years longer than they have. But that that makes sense, doesn't it? That is the ongoing message of social media. That is the ongoing message of our current culture. Why wouldn't teachers feel that sting? Of course they would. Now let's not stop. Let's be Orwellian and predict the future. If we can cast off the current system and replace it with another system, then it is only fit, proper, meat, right, and salutary to cast that system off. And then to cast that system off. And you know what that leads to? Anarchy. Complete and utter breakdown of authority. And the world can't operate without authority. Specifically, realms of authority. And as deconstructionism, courtesy of social media, goes about the business of breaking down all authority, uh, don't be surprised, Bernie, when it deconstructs you. Don't be surprised, President Biden, when it deconstructs you, because nobody is safe in a society 
that refuses to submit to authority, which, of course, as a Christian, we recognize, ah, so this isn't really an authority issue. It's a fruit, but it's not the root. The, the root of our current social authority melees is our refusal to submit spiritually. You want to stop all of the authority overturning? People need to submit to Jesus first. This is Wretched Radio. You're familiar with this sound. You're sitting in church. Your pastor is preaching. You have your John MacArthur Study Bible open. The pastor is reading the scripture. And all of a sudden you hear everybody in church turning the page because they all have the same MacArthur Study Bible. Why? Because it is so helpful to be able to read study notes underneath the verses to really grasp what God's Word is trying to teach. How would you like to share the joy of putting a John MacArthur Study Bible into the hands of a believer in the Philippines? They typically make about 12 to $15 per, not hour, per day. It's a luxury item, and it would be such a blessing. $25 a Bible, four Bibles, $100, or perhaps you could send a Bible to a brother or sister in the Philippines every single month. Would you please consider doing that to bring joy to our brothers and sisters? Wretched.org slash Bible. Hey, thank you so much for listening to Wretched Radio today. So I want to talk to you about something pretty serious, and it's not my unibrow. It's actually about becoming a gospel partner. I know what you're thinking. Jimmy, I love your content, but I'm not sure about this whole giving money thing. Well, let me tell you, becoming an ongoing Wretched Gospel Partner is like the Christian version of winning the lottery. Instead of winning the money, what you're going to get is the satisfaction of knowing you're helping us spread the life-changing gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ to millions of lost souls all over the world. And let's be honest, we could use a little more satisfaction. Have you been to the grocery store, you've seen the prices, or have you seen all this plant-based stuff they've got on the shelves? There's nothing satisfying about that. But seriously, let's get serious for a moment. We could not do what we do here at Wretched without our faithful and generous gospel partners. So why not join the team? Become an ongoing monthly Wretched Gospel Partner today just by visiting wretched.org slash donate. Wretched. Amazing grace. Amazing gospel. Ah, some good news. Two encouragements from the Tomorrow Clubs. They have hundreds of weekly kids meeting clubs in Eastern Europe, but now they've expanded to Africa and the kids are swarming the Tomorrow Clubs. They have never seen greater attendance than the hundreds of new clubs that they are opening up in Africa. That should encourage all of us. The gospel is going forth and reaching kids in unreached places. Encouragement number two, would you like to become a Tomorrow Clubs ministry partner? Your support will help the Tomorrow Clubs open up even more Tomorrow Clubs and reach even more kids with the gospel. Please consider becoming a ministry partner at tomorrowclubs.org slash wretched. Tomorrowclubs.org slash wretched. Titles of Christ. In the Bible, Jesus is given many titles that teach us about who He is and what He has done. Jesus is called the Bridegroom, 
Christians are waiting for Christ's return, which the book of Revelation describes as the wedding of the Lamb. Christ will come to usher His bride, His church, into eternity with Him. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. It's official. We got ourselves a good old-fashioned epidemic here in the U.S. of A. This is Wretched Radio, Great Britain's Attorney General, or whatever they call the Attorney General in Great Britain, announced Great Britain has an epidemic. England is suffering from a loneliness epidemic. And now America's AG, which is actually called the Attorney General, claiming the same thing. Loneliness is a big problem in this country, and the church should see it as a great opportunity not to contextualize, not to simply offer Jesus as somebody who gets us. I'm not thinking about that campaign that millions of dollars are being spent on to paint Jesus as some sort of liberal hipster who who gets you, Daddy-O, because he was like Tom Petty, living like a refugee. No, we don't want to turn Jesus into a felt-needs savior. But we can let the world know there's a place where you don't need to feel lonely. It's in Christ. That's the first place. If you are lonely, you must be in a relationship with the Savior who will never leave you nor forsake you. By the way, Lou Priolo, did I finish it? I can't remember. I don't know that I did. Just wrote a book, Lit, on loneliness. And that's what he identifies for the Christian. If you feel lonely, now, don't be offended at this. He's he's writing in generalities, but in general, the first place you should look if you are lonely is your relationship with the Lord. How am I doing there? Do I experience intimacy with the Lord regularly? Do, do I pray to him regularly? Do I hear from him through his word? Am I growing in my love for him as I learn to understand his love for me? What is your relationship with God? If you're feeling lonely, that is the first place to look. Lupriolo's book, I wish I'd brought it with me, but that would indicate we actually planned show content and far be it from us. The book gave a checklist. Do you ever feel like this, like this, like this, like this, like this, like this, like this to self-diagnose if you are indeed lonely? Because just because you feel lonely, it doesn't mean you actually are lonely. It just might mean you need to adjust some thinking. And the first place to consider adjusting it is your relationship with God, which is a much better alternative than an AI virtual girlfriend. That's right. An AI virtual girlfriend. Oh, the stuff that happens on the internet. Karen Marjorie, I'm sure well-intended, has 1.8 million subscribers on Snapchat. Hey, Jimmy, if a Snapchat fell through the ceiling and landed on your head, would you know what it is? No, I would not. Yeah. You know what that means, don't you? (laughs) What's that? You're old. Thank you. And skinnier. Oh, thank you. Dude, you're just shrinking, right? You're you're just like the amazing shrinking man. <laughs> okay. How much have you lost? Come on. Uh, right now, as of today, uh, 120 pounds. <laughs> yeah. You are literally half the man. Uh, yeah. Actually, maybe a third the man yeah. you used to be. Mm-hmm. 
You were that heavy. I was. Dude. Yeah. Well done. What what was it the fruit of self-control that took over? Uh, pretty much. Discipline, self-control. Yeah, that's self-control. It's a hard fight to get going, but once you get it going. I heard that there are actually now diet pills that do work. Mm-hmm. I, I, I can't remember what they're called. They're pretty popular, I guess. But you take the pill and you just lose your desire to eat. Um, that just misses the opportunity to grow in self-control. Oh. Isn't that true, though, really, of, of everything that we obsess about or that we're doing that you know is, is difficult for us? Medicate it. And you have now separated yourself from the opportunity to grow mm-hmm. in some sort of fruit of the spirit. So, Jimmy, well done growing in that self-control. Thank you. 120 pounds. That's right. Oh, what was, what, I think it was Sid Youngers. He was a stand-up comedian, went on to write for Roseanne and a gazillion other sitcoms. Funny guy said, uh, yeah, yeah, just want you to know, I've lost 135 pounds. Her name was Roberta. Thank you. Thank you very much. But that's pretty much it. You've lost a per. You were carrying a 120-pound human being around all day, every day. I was. Zoink Scoob. Speaking of girlfriends, there is now a virtual girlfriend, courtesy of one Karen Marjorie, to help men who are feeling lonely. She wanted to offer the voice-based Karen AI, C-A-R-Y-N, not K-A-R-E-N. That's a different kind of AI. That's the kind of AI that goes, are you just going to sit there when the lawn needs to be mowed? That's This is C-A-R-Y-N, to quote, cure loneliness. It offers private, personalized conversation with an AI version of her. Jimmy, can you imagine building a Jimmy app so that people <laughs> can have a conversation with me? <laughs> Nevertheless, back to, according to the website, it's gone viral and earned the influencer more than 71000 in revenue in one week of beta testing, with more than a 1,000 users accessing the chatbot at a price of a dollar per minute. Come to the church. We're free. A dollar a minute? That's a good gig for Karen, not, not K-A-R-E-N, because if it were Karen, it would be only a dollar. This is Karen charging a dollar a minute so that men will take the first step in the right direction to cure loneliness. Men are told to suppress their emotions. Yeah. Um, that isn't always a terrible thing. Men are less of the emotive gender because of the commandments that we have. Currently working on trying to articulate why it seems to be so challenging these days for men to understand what it means to be a man. And I'm not sure, and still working on this, that it is society's definitions of masculinity that cause the confusion. And, and, and so we got to be careful that we are primarily informed biblically as we go about identifying society's definition of masculinity so that we're within the lane of what it, what it looks like and and what a what a modern man acts like without letting that be the primary definer of what a man is more on that another time men are told to suppress their emotions hide their masculinity and not to talk about issues they are having i vow to fix this with karen ai i have worked with the world's leading psychologists oh boy 
to seamlessly add CBT and DBT within chats. This will help undo trauma. Wow. A lot of a lot of things getting fixed with this AI. Rebuild physical and emotional confidence and rebuild what has taken been taken away by the pandemic. Ah, this is such an opportunity. And 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 we don't even want to make money. We'll spend money on this. The reason that so many people are lonely is primarily their relationship with God. They don't have one. It is true. Your friends will abandon you. Even loved ones will forsake you. Dogs run away. But Jesus never does. You need to start there. But then you need to be with those people who are in the same fold, in a local church. Now, we don't want to, hey, lonely, come to church. Um, well, no, that's not what church is about, but it's definitely a fruit, isn't it? We're, people are trying to figure out how do I cope these days? Social media is has not made us connected. It hasn't brought us into community. It's artificial community. People are seeking it and they're looking for it in all the wrong ways, including drugs, which leads us to Washington claiming it's the most hippie town in the state. After a spike in fentanyl overdoses, they've decided maybe just maybe we should ban some drugs after all because the drugs were so commonplace. One dead body was left on a bench for 12 hours in Washington. So the Bellingham City Council voted to make drug use an arrestable crime. A decision that came two years after the Washington legislature decriminalized hard drugs in response to a decision at the Supreme Court. They decriminalized hard drugs and now people are dying from them. Hey, there's a shocker. You know when this all started? I'll tell you, at a funeral. When we buried common sense <laughs> and people are turning to drugs more and more. And you can expect to see this a virtual girlfriend. Get get ready. Get ready. I would not be shocked if you're watching one of those commercials with those little plays that we have to watch of people doing stuff that has nothing to do with the medication that they're pitching. There's going to be a loneliness pill. Want to bet? Anybody? Anybody going to take me? There's going to be a loneliness pill. Why not? We've already got depression medication. Why wouldn't there be a loneliness pill? Well, if we want to use that illustration, there is. First and foremost, the Lord Jesus Christ. Second of all, the local church. What an opportunity we have. Until tomorrow, go serve your king. <laughs>